I could hear the sound of my voice, which is not an uncommon thing on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. But in my house, I was hearing my own voice, but I wasn't talking. It was a weird sensation, but I knew I was somewhere else in the house. It had been a long day, and I was a little bit irritated, and uh, I don't know, I was just kind of having a, one of those moments as a parent. I figured out that my voice was coming from downstairs in my son's room. You see, he has a little iPod Nano, and he can put recordings on there, and he, he's got the Northside podcast on there. And so I marched down the stairs, kind of an attitude, because, you know, you don't want to hear yourself preach the sermon twice. I mean, you know. But I go in there, and we're talking, and uh, I was just, I was kind of filled with gratitude that, that my son, of all the things he could listen to, chose at the end of his day to listen to his father preach. And so we talked, and we prayed, and we had our little end-of-the-day routine, and, and I was just beaming with pride as I walked out of his room and I marched up the stairs and I stopped about stair number four and I realized that my son was using my preaching to help him go to sleep faster. <laughs> it is all a matter of perspective, you see. And right now, at this time of year, we have an opportunity to show gratitude, to be in the season of naming our blessings and considering how blessed we are. But... <laughs> Sometimes life is going in such a way that it's easy to forget. It's easy to become distracted. It's easy to for, forget how far God has brought you and how much he has blessed you. I, I want to ask you this morning to, to begin to choose to give thanks. That's what this series is all about. It is easy to do what we're going to talk about this morning. It's easy to read these verses. It's very easy to think, yes, I should give thanks. Yes, I am blessed. But it's a much harder thing to live out as week as you have all the stress of having family over and preparing meals and, and bringing all of that together. It's easy to forget to give thanks. So this morning we're going to focus on three simple points from a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which Sam has already read for you. These verses, these words are easy to read. They're hard to live. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I hope that as we go through this, these verses this morning, that I can challenge you to live graciously. That the first thing that we've got to do when we come into this Christian perspective of understanding who we are and whose we are, is we've got to, regardless of what we're facing, we've got to choose joy. We've got to choose that we are going to be a joyful, happy, loving People. I want you to think for just a moment in your mind's eye, imagine a little boat on the surface of the waters in the middle of the ocean. 
Now that, that little boat has a sail up and it's a, a bright, sunshiny day. The water is perfectly calm. You can see for miles. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful picture. That is happiness. But then the clouds come in and they cover the sun and the, the winds pick up and the rains begin to beat down and, and the waves begin to crash and toss that boat to and fro. Happiness is the calm sea. Anxiety, worry, fear, frustration is the stormy sea. But the person who chooses joy is choosing something so much deeper than happiness or anger or fear or anxiety. You see, joy is something that runs much deeper than mere emotion. It is an understanding that no matter what happens, we're anchored. And I want you to imagine now that that little boat with a tiny little length of chain all the way to the, the bedrock of the ocean floor as the anchor lies there next to the rock. That's joy. You can choose joy, especially if you're in Christ. You are anchored to the rock. No matter what comes this way, this week, whether it's sunshine, uh, cloudless days, or it is a week full of storms and trials and tribulations, I hope that you choose joy. It's a natural choice for who we are in Christ. In Acts chapter 16, there's this great story it doesn't start out really as a great story, but it's a story of Paul and Silas. And they're doing a good thing. Uh, it doesn't seem like a good thing for the crowd that hears them. They are spreading the message of Jesus. And as they spread the message of Jesus in Acts chapter 16, the, the particular audience that they meet with that day does not react very kindly. In fact, they beat them. Now, I've had some bad sermons, admittedly, and thank you for being so patient. But I've had never had anybody, the crowd, rise up and rush the stage and beat me. And then they stripped Paul and Silas naked. I'm going to leave that one alone. And then they beat them with rods. And then they threw them in jail. And, and not into a, a nice me, a jail where they get three square meals a day and have a, an air conditioning and heating and, and, and bed linens and all that. No, this was a first century Roman jail with absolutely nothing but a dirt floor and solitude. And as they sat there in that prison with only their thoughts, the scripture reads... Paul and Silas chose joy. Listen to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I want you to, to think in your mind's eye and imagine that dark, musty, cold prison cell. It's midnight only. The, the light of the moon is coming through the bars, through the, the window. And... If you just listen very closely, you can hear. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And Silas says, where? Down in my heart. Down in, what are you doing? How in the world, Paul and Silas, can you have gone through what you've been through and still come out singing? Because of what Jesus has done. And they realized the world couldn't touch them, not because of who they were, but because of who was in them. 
Oh, they chose joy that night about midnight in that prison. And the beautiful part is not even that. It's the end of verse 25 where it says, And the prisoners were listening to them. You see, Paul and Silas preached, but they also preached not just outwardly outside in the city, but they also preached in that prison cell that night as they sang to God as they were nearly naked, covered in bruises and bleeding. They had chosen joy. That's what the example they gave to us. That's how Paul could later write in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to everyone, for the Lord is near. Paul and Silas knew that night that they were closer to Jesus' return than they had ever been. We sit here this morning in the very same condition, that we are closer now to Jesus returning than we have ever been. And no matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in your life, He is near. And if he is near, all things are possible and victory is ours. Again, not because of who we are or even what we've done, but because of who he is and because of what he's done. Christians can be joyful. We eagerly expect his return and his victory and we long for going home to be with him forever. But we have to get this. We have to choose joy. Busyness is a choice and stress is a choice and your attitude is a choice. And this morning I want to call you to choose joy. Uh, You guys aren't getting it, so just stop looking at me and tell your neighbor, just say, I'm choosing joy this week. Some of you sitting there, some of you very grumpy, you're not choosing joy this week. (laughs) You need to choose joy. You have to decide in your heart. When you decide in your heart, you'll say it with your mouth and you'll show it with your face that you have chosen victory. I want you to choose joy because that's the way Christians are, uh, are supposed to be because that's who we're called to be, led by example and taught by Jesus. Number two, regardless of what happens this week, I want you to persist in prayer, First Thessalonians 5.17 says simply this, pray continually. I don't know if you have a consistent, regular prayer life. I don't know if even if you do, if the times when you pray, it's God, give me this. God, give me that. God, please do this. God, please do that. Or instead, it's a different type of prayer, which is a prayer of thanksgiving. Just try this. I hope that you'll practice it of this week. Whenever you pray to God, and I hope that it's every day and more than once a day. But every time you go into his throne room, that you with humility of spirit and genuineness of heart, thank God for everything he has, for everything he is, for all that he's done in your life, through all he's done through the church of Jesus Christ. I hope you pray continually. That prayerful, that gracious prayer will achieve much. Because when you realize how much he has given you already, you realize how very little you actually need. I hope you will choose to persist in prayer. In John chapter 6, Jesus went from being king, crown him, to heretic, 
He went from uh, being loved to being hated. He went from being heralded to going into hiding. He went, his stock, if you could chart it, went up and down a lot in his ministry. I'm wondering this morning, what was it that kept Jesus grounded? And my answer to that is always, always his prayer life. And you wouldn't think Jesus had to have a prayer life. I mean, he was God and yet he was God in the flesh. And so he had to approach God like we have to approach God. When he laid down his equality with God, his prayer life became his connection with God. And so whether they were ready to make him king or whether they were ready to tie him up and, t- and take him out of town and put him on a cross, which they eventually did. Jesus, the scriptures tell us, often went to lonely places and prayed. Whatever point he was at, high, low, in between, wherever he was, Jesus often went to the throne room of God. I often think in his mind, the psalm that he wrote, inspired by the Spirit, Psalm chapter 73. Who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell all of your works. So when you pray, I I hope that you pray like a little child crawling up into his or her father's lap, telling and pouring out your heart and showing graciousness and gratitude and thanksgiving for all that he's given you and knowing that in your father's hands you are absolutely secure because he is in control. Your life may be out of control. Your circumstances may be out of control. But he is in control. And he's not going anywhere. And he's always there. I pray that you pray with the boldness of a trusting child near Christmas time. I pray that you'll persist like a widow who has no other hope. I pray that you'll know that he hears, he answers, and he provides. Where in Scripture did God's people always go? Where did Daniel go when he faced the lions in prayer as he always had? Where did Elijah go when he faced persecution by the prophets of Baal to the one true God? Where did Job go when he lost it all? He fell down on his face and he worshipped. Philippians 4, move on from rejoice in the Lord always. Paul gives us a how-to, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds In Christ Jesus, can I tell you this morning I was worried? Oh, I'm not going to tell you what about, but I've been worried. I've been anxious. And and as a control freak, freely I confess, that when I get worried and anxious, my default is to go do something. 
I got to go do something. I got to make this right. I need a, a to do list. I need some goals. I need to check off the next thing. I need to get the next thing done. I need to attack that problem with a vengeance. And Paul says, no, do not be anxious about anything. But first, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The first thing you got to do when you're worried or anxious, when your little boat is tossing to and fro and the waves are crashing over the side, is to get inside the stern with the Savior and to go to His hand and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your provision. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Number three, regardless of what you have, give thanks. I don't know if it's still doing it. This is, this is hilarious to me. This screen right over here on my left, on your right, um, it's not really doing it now, which ruins my illustration. But <laughs> the, the, have you all seen it? Is it just me? Is it shaking a little bit or have I had too much espresso? It does this little shaky thing, and uh, it's been doing the past couple of weeks, and, and it's been bothering me. When I sit over here, and I'm like, oh, man, I, it's hard. It's distracting, and it bothers me. And, and I'm like, man, somebody got to fix that. Somebody got to do that. I need to put that on a to-do list. And I thought, you know, wait a second. I have a choice right there. When I see a problem, I can choose to complain about it and whine about it and worry about it, or I can stop and I can rejoice that I have eyes to see that screen. I can be thankful that we have people who prepare in advance the song so they're on that screen. I can be gracious that Greg Sandlin paid the light bill so we can project onto that screen. I see I have a choice when there's a problem. Are, are you a complainer? Are you a, a bit of a whiner? My guess is, my guess is... That you have not stopped to give thanks. Verse 18, this is what it tells us. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now that's interesting. I thought his will for me was to go and make disciples. Yeah, that's part of it. I thought his will for me was to obey everything which he had commanded. Yeah, that's his will too. But this is as much as his, a part of his will as those things. To give thanks in all circumstances. If you're a chronic complainer, my guess is you have a lot of problems. Most people don't complain because they have a lot of problems. Most people have a lot of problems because they complain. Because they're whining. You heard the old story about the man who, who came to the entrance of the city. And he asked the man there, I pray, tell me, what kind of folks be these in here, this city? And the man said, well, tell me about the city from whence you came. And they were, oh, liars and scoundrels and, and cheats, all of them. And he said, oh, you'll find the, the people the same here. I, I would say you probably should move forward. And another visitor came along and he said, pray, tell me, good sir, what type of people be those here that reside in this city? And he said, well, tell me about the people from the city in which you came. Oh, gracious and, and welcoming and loving and warm and kind and quick to show hospitality. And he said, then come in, sir. You will find the people here just the same. Your attitude makes a big difference in what kind of person and what kind of leader you're going to be. I caught this just this morning during the Lord's Supper. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Um, because it, 
I was trying to think, how is it, how did Jesus play this out in his life? And the answer is right here. Right here as we came to the table to remember what he did. Look at verse 20, chapter 26, verse 26. While they were eating, the scripture says, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them. Now, you know, I'm used to, be, you know, being the preacher, you're kind of the default prayer guy whenever there's a meal. I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, Toby, you bless it, please. Okay, no. I got to do it. And so I'm used to giving thanks a lot. And so I had always read that scripture just like, you know, just like we always do. Dear Lord, thank you for this. And we, we we're so honored to have it in Jesus name. Amen. But I want you to think about what Jesus was facing in that moment when he was taking the cup. He knew that the cup of, of his father's wrath was about to be poured out on him. And he gave thanks when he took the bread. He knew that it was going to be his body broken. For us, it was going to be beaten. It was going to be flogged. It was going to be horrifically torn up. And he gave thanks. If Jesus can come to the, the crucible of his life and his ministry, and in the center of that crucible, come to the cup and the bread and give thanks, what a lesson. What an example. But most importantly, what a Savior. That he could come there and thank God for all that was about to happen. That's his example. That's what he calls us to do. Philippians chapter 2. Do all things, verse 14 says, without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. What's going what's gonna to cause you to stand out this week at work? What's going to cause you to stand out in your, with your friends and with your people who you know that are not Christians? What's going to cause you to stand out? It doesn't have as much to do with what you believe. It doesn't have as much to do with what you uh, claim it has everything to do, verse 14, with your attitude. The way in which you stand out has very much to do with your, if you're a grumbler or a complainer or a whiner. Paul says when you do all things without grumbling or disputing, you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Paul even said, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering... Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. Gratitude affects everything you do. It, it affects your church life. It ought to affect your worship. When you came this morning... When you walked, when you drove into the parking lot and you put it in park, there were two types of people. There was one person that said, oh, I can't believe I'm here again. Oh, it's just going to be terrible. 
I don't like the way this person teaches. I'm getting tired of levering sermon, making us talk during worship or something. They never have the donuts that I like in class. That's terrible. You know, there's one person that comes with an agenda of complaint. And that's dangerous. And, And the other person that comes with an agenda of gratitude. Lord, I'm so thankful to be here. And look at those guys out here willing to help me with my, my bags and my casseroles and all that stuff. I'm so thankful that they do that. I'm so grateful for the men that teach Bible class because they have their own lives and families and businesses to run. But they study the Word so that they might break the bread of life to us. I'm so thankful for all of the things that Northside provides and for my children and for the youth group. That person comes with an agenda of gratitude and grace. And do you know which agenda will be achieved? And the answer is yes. The person who comes ready to complain and whine and gripe about every little thing is going to find themselves complaining, whining and griping and ready to leave. And the person that comes with gratitude, with thanksgiving in their heart and graciousness in their spirit, they're going to leave saying this has been a wonderful day. My question is not which agenda will be achieved. My question is. Which one are you? Which one are you going to be? I hope that you'll be a person who practices what our Savior practiced, what the Apostle Paul practiced, what the early church has always been about. Colossians chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You know that? I, I just thought about that. People who are always complaining about the way things are seem to have no peace in their heart. They're always in turmoil. But people who are gracious and thankful, they have the peace of Christ. And be thankful, the Word says. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You have an opportunity in every single thing that you do this week, whether a spoken word or a gesture, wherever you are, you have the opportunity to be the ambassador for Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Being thankful in all circumstances changes your perspective. So when I see my brother Justin and I ask him how he is, which is sort of a, it's a formality, really, because I know how he's going to say. He's going to say what? What's Justin going to say when you say, Justin, how are you? I'm blessed, yeah. You know, he knows that. And because he knows it in his heart, he says it with his mouth over and over and over and over. So we know not only is he blessed, but we're blessed. I hear some people say, how are you? And they'll say, better than I deserve. And I believe that's true. I hear some people say, God is good. And I know that the stuff that they're going through right now in their life is not good. But I know they believe that God is good all the time, even when life is not. I want to ask you a question. What if you only had tomorrow the things which you were thankful for today? What if you only had tomorrow the things which you were thankful for today? You should be thankful for all things. Because you may not have those things tomorrow. So I want to I uh, call you and, and challenge you this week. I want you to just pick one of these. 
But I ask, which one are you? Are you a constant complainer? Uh, you're the type of person that can always find, you know, you're the Eeyore of life. <laughs> There's always a reason to complain. And some people, and you've got to watch this, some people can complain even while they're smiling. I, I, I ran into these. There are people, I, I knew this person once, uh, they, would, they would complain and then they would, <laughs> they would just laugh. And I thought, that's weird. But some people try to disguise who they are. But it, pay attention. Are you a complainer? Are you always looking for a reason to whine? Are you always griping about this thing or that thing? Are, are you always bemoaning about all God didn't give you or all the things you're having to go through? Maybe you're a constant complainer. Number two, are you a periodic prayer? Are, are you a person that only comes to God's throne when you need something, when you're in a corner, when, when you're just between a rock and a hard place, and maybe before the occasional meal when the preacher's there? Okay, number three, are you typically thankless? All right, pick which one of those. I'm not saying all of us haven't done all of those things at one point or another, but pick which one you tend to be toward. Complainer, uh, uh, periodic prayer, inconsistent in your prayer life, or typically thankless. Now, pick one of those. Number one, if you're a constant complainer, I want to challenge you this week to go the entire week without complaint. Oh, I can't do that. This is a terrible sermon. Uh, preacher, uh, he annoys me. See? Okay. If, you're, if you had that response, you're probably number one. <laughs> and what you need to do is, what I want you to do is get a rubber band. Find a rubber band anywhere, and I want you to put it around your wrist. Okay? Every time you complain, I want you to stop and move the rubber band from the wrist that it's on to the wrist that it's not on. And I want the goal to be to move it less and less so that you get through the week and, and hopefully you can get through the entire week, but at least a day without complaint. It'd be even better if you could replace your complaints and whines with things you're thankful for and reasons to be grateful. Number two, if you're a periodic prayer, I want to challenge you to spend three minutes in personal prayer, not not praying uh, out of guilt or obligation or duty, but just in your personal relationship with Jesus, I want you to spend three minutes a day. I want you right now, get out your phones or whatever. Go ahead. Teens, thank you. We're already there. Um, I want you to set an alarm. Set an alarm for when you think you'll do it. Have it go off every day and pray for three minutes. You do more, that's great. But three minutes each day with your Lord and with your Father. And finally, if you're group number three, I want to challenge you to send five thank you messages this week. If you don't thank people very much, if you're always thinking, boy, that was a great class, or that was, that was really helpful what they did, or, or I just really appreciate these people that are very encouraging, whatever it is, send a, a, a written message, a, a text message, a card, a Facebook message, fax if that's your thing, whatever. Find a way to send five thank you messages this week. Friends and guests this morning, if Jesus is all you have, then fear not, dear child, for you have all you need. Rejoice at his love. Pray continually with him and to him and thank him for all he has done. But if Jesus does not have you, then you may have the whole world, but your soul is in danger. You are spiritually destitute, and we'd like to change that for you. So if we can help you this morning, 
We'd like to. If you need Jesus, need to know Jesus, or you haven't let the spirit of graciousness and gratitude into your heart and your life, uh, and you would like for us to pray for you, change your spirit and change your negativity. Come. We'd love to help you. If you have any need, please come as you stand and sing.